It's opening day and your 2022 Cincinnati Reds are in Atlanta facing the world champs. Will the pitching be ready? Who will lead the Reds offense? Can the Reds spoil the ring ceremony? We've got all that and more on the opening day edition of Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy opening day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We have podcasts going into our fourth season about the Cincinnati Reds and are quite addicted to Reds baseball. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms. On today's podcast, we are joined by Jake Mastriani from Locked On Braves to talk about what to expect in this opening series between the Reds and the defending world champion Braves. We also talk a bit about the departure of Freddie Freeman and who fills his shoes down in Atlanta. Happy opening day, Reds and Braves fans. We've got a wonderful crossover on tap for you today as we preview this opening series. It's weird to say, Jake, because the Reds are on the road, and that's not really something that they're used to. This is only like the third time since baseball was invented, basically, since the that the Reds have started on the road, and they are going to be watching some ring-fitting ceremonies. How excited are you about all of the festivities that are going to be happening today? Yeah, I'm super excited. And, you know, I know the Reds always get to start at home. It feels like the Braves never get to start at home. I think it's the first home opener since 2018. So, and it only took a lockout for that to happen. So I'm very excited, (laughs) especially coming off a World Series. I know these schedules are made, you know, in advance of who wins, but I feel like the World Series champion should always start at home, but it will be an exciting weekend, and yes, there'll be a lot of ceremonies going on, ring ceremonies, pennants being raised up. It's always going to be an exciting time. I can't wait. I will be there on opening day, uh, so I'm ready to get the season rolling. Jeff, I think that it's exciting, and we should make mention that uh, it's fitting that the Reds will be participating in or at least present for the ring ceremony this season, because as you know, when we open on the road, we win the world series. So the ring ceremony will be in Cincinnati next year. So it's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you see the Braves are scheduled to open the year in Cincinnati next season, then yeah, it'd be pretty cool. There you go. Yeah. I, I think it's intriguing how the opening series is getting set up like this and, and kind of coming into this season, the Braves had a bit of an offseason of upheaval. Talking about, of course, the big man himself, Freddie Freeman, now wearing Dodger blue. As weird as that is to say, just from an outsider's perspective, I can bet that you yourself are still trying to wash that taste out of your mouth. Outside of the Freddie Freeman deal, first of all, give me your reaction to all of that, because I know that you have talked at length about that, but I'm kind of curious as to how you're feeling as we go into opening day. And then after that, what was the other biggest thing for you this offseason for the Braves, non-Freddie Freeman related? Yeah, the Freddie Freeman situation, obviously, look, it... It was all over the podcast, all through the lockout. I think I did an episode on it every week, maybe sometimes twice a week. 
you know, that was the biggest story, I think, in all of baseball. I mean, you had, it seemed like Freddie Freeman was getting covered all throughout the lockout, even though neither side were supposed to be talking. It seemed like there was a new, uh, you know, Freddie Freeman idea or rumor out there every week. And I always just assumed he'd come back to Atlanta and it didn't happen. And I was shocked. I think Freddie Freeman was shocked. I think a lot of people were shocked by that. But, you know, if you pay attention to the situation and the way things played out, Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves GM, just saw that it wasn't going to happen. And at some point he had to move on and he did. And he quickly pivoted to Matt Olson and gave up a really good package for him, but then turned around and extended him for eight years. So, Look, as sad as it is that Freddie Freeman's not going to be in Atlanta anymore and seeing him in that Dodger blue is just going to be really hard to take, they could not have handpicked a better replacement than Matt Olson, who is every bit as good defensively, if not better. He does things a little differently at the bat than Freddie Freeman, but still, you know, an 850, 900 OPS type player that could hit 40 home runs in Atlanta now that he's out of that park in Oakland. So, yeah, it, it was a, you know, it was a tough pill to swallow uh, to see Freddie Freeman not coming back to Atlanta. But again, the way Alex handled it and who he replaced him with, I think the ball will just keep rolling. Do you feel like Matt Olson's a different enough, better enough uh, to warrant the not only the money? Uh, which it was going to cost you money either way, right? Freddie Freeman was going to cost you money or whoever you were going to get is going to cost you money. But now prospects are involved as well. Is is the change at first base worth that additional cost in your mind? Well, and this goes to the, the second question that Jeff asked me that I didn't answer is what it allowed the Braves to do is free up to make other moves because Freddie wanted $26, $28 million a year over the length of this Matt Olson contract, the AAV is around $21 million. That allowed the Braves to go out and get an Eddie Rosario, to get a Colin McHugh, and then the, the signing that I didn't answer your question on, Jeff, that surprised me the most was going out and getting Kenley Jansen for $16 million. That does not happen if they sign Freddie Freeman. They don't sure. have the funds to do all of that. So while it hurt, yes, for Freddie Freeman and, and all the leadership and everything that he brings to Atlanta – I think they're actually better set up for now and going forward with the moves that Alex made. Now, somebody's going to have to step up for that leadership role that's going to be lost by Freddie. I'm not trying to underplay that at all. But as far as team build, I think they're actually built better now because they went with Olsen over Freeman. Yeah, with that kind of shuffling of the pitching staff, how do you look at the arms moving into this season? Because the Braves' bullpen was the catalyst for that championship run, and adding to it with Kenley Jansen just seems like a cheat code. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and look, the bullpen was the biggest weakness. It was the biggest question mark for the Braves going into the postseason. You know, we knew A.J. Minter had it in him. We knew Tyler Matzik, you know, had it in him. Will Smith, he was, you know, solid all year long. Luke Jackson kind of had up and downs. And they all just turned it on at the right time. And, you know, I don't want it to overshadow the starting pitching as well. Look, Ian Anderson had a no-hitter through five innings in the World Series. Max Fried had a couple of hiccups, but he was absolutely dominant in that game six in the World Series. You know, Charlie Morton, before he broke his leg, was really good. So, I mean, the starting pitching – 
you know, I think gets overshadowed just because of how great that bullpen was in the postseason, and they were really good. But the starting pitching at the top especially was was good as well. And Kyle Wright, somebody we'll talk about, he came in in Game 4 in that World Series and pitched four and two-thirds great innings as well. So starting pitching was solid. But, yes, building out that bullpen, getting McHugh, getting Jansen, getting somebody like Tyler Thornburg on a non-guaranteed deal, which it looks like with Luke Jackson possibly being out for a good while, if not the entire season, it looks like he may play a bigger role in that bullpen. A veteran like Darren O'Day. I mean, this bullpen is six or seven deep going into a year, and you never know how bullpens are going to be season to season, but on paper at least, they've set themselves up to have one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. You know, we look at opening day and and it is always a time of excitement for everybody. No matter no matter how you really expect your team to, to perform, you come out excited and just a little bit optimistic that you can get that first game, that first win under your belt. So for the Locked on Reds listeners that are, are joining in for this crossover event, uh, walk us through what we can expect to see from your opening day starter. So opening day starter uh, is going to be Max Freed, and it's very fitting that he's the opening day starter as he was really the first big piece in the Braves' rebuild when they sent Justin Upton uh, to San Diego and got Freed and some other prospects. So he was really the first domino that the Braves brought in, and you know he's their best pitcher. He's their ace. That's why he's starting on opening day. And I talked about what he did in that World Series, that Game Six. Uh, I don't know if so, if you watched that game, he had some traffic in the first inning, got his ankle stepped on at first base, and then got out of the jam, came off the mound, just pumped up, fired up more than I've ever seen him, and it was over after that. I mean, he he could have pitched twenty innings that night, and he wasn't going to give up a single run. Um, so that is the guy that the Braves have. They've been looking for an ace at the top of their rotation since John Smoltz. I mean, they just haven't had that guy to carry them at the top of the rotation, and I believe they found that in Max Freed, a guy who I think could compete for the Cy Young this year. So that's who you're getting on opening day from the Braves. That's good to see. And there, there's one other quick question, too, as we just kind of been grilling you Braves here in this first segment, and, and it's a – I think it's known at this point that he's not going to appear in this series, but when can baseball fans expect Ronald Acuna back? Yeah, I mean, there's still a little bit of question about that. The initial plan was him for for him to start at the DH position sometime in late April and then perhaps return in the field sometime in May. And last I heard, that's still the plan, um, but we really haven't gotten an update on that you know, here recently. But, you know, fingers crossed, everything going well. I saw a video of him today, you know, practicing stealing bases. So that's certainly a good sign. He looks ready. He's, he's worked really hard in the offseason. So I think he's going to be ready to go. I think the hardest thing is going to be how do the Braves pull him back? Because once you <laughs> unleash him, he, I mean, he doesn't play half speed. He goes hard at it all the time. And, you know, he may need to dial it back a little bit just for the sake of himself and the Braves, but that's just not how he does it unless he's pimping a, a home run or something. But uh, that is that is him, and, and I hope he's back, you know, not just for Braves fans, but like you said, for baseball fans. Hopefully we see him back sooner rather than later. All right, it was a confusing offseason for your Cincinnati Reds, and they are coming to open up the series in Atlanta. Next, we'll talk about what the Cincinnati Reds will look like in this series. 
Before we do that, let me tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. I don't know. Are either of y'all are golf fans at all? Tiger is back. Okay, there you go. I don't watch the Masters at all, so... There's your Masters updates. You want to go to, to betonline.net to get in on that action. 40, 40 to 1 odds for Tiger to win the Masters. There you go. Thanks. Appreciate that. Plug it in the, <laughs> the ad here. Uh, BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Go to Steven and Jeff for that, as I am not in the know as much as they are. Or go to betonline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. So it was a, a bit of a confusing uh, season, off-season for the Reds, and I know maybe not necessarily an exciting one, a very busy one, for sure. You had plenty to talk about over there, but Jeff, I'll, I'll start with you. Explain what this off-season was for the Reds and kind of what the plan is. It was a if rebuild. you do that. If, yeah, <laughs> it, it. It was a rebuild and uh, until it wasn't, and to be honest with you, there's still a chance that it could continue to be a rebuild. It depends on what the franchise does with Luis Castillo and the opening day st- starter Tyler Malley because both those guys have two years of control left, and they haven't come out and said it because they continue to tell us fans that they're going to be a playoff contending team, but they look like they're trying to set the reds up almost like the race where they draft, they develop, they really hinge their bets on the first four years of a prospect and hopefully develop him well enough that during those four years, they can be a good team and get to the playoffs and then possibly look to trade him with two years of control left, unless they're going to sign some kind of a big contract, which after Joey Votto's contract comes off the books, I don't know that you'll see any more than one big contract for the Cincinnati Reds. And by big, I mean like, you know, what Joey's getting, $24 million a year. That's the ceiling for this current ownership group. And it's something that, Maybe that maybe that's what I see because I'm trying to put on my own sort of, you know, reds, smart colored goggles, which I know that not everybody is trying to use these days because everybody's convinced they have no idea what they're doing. But it's something that Steve and I have talked about a lot is that if the reds are going to win and they're not going to spend money, they got to adopt what the rays are doing. Yeah. And for sure, and that's not an easy thing to do. I think a lot of teams are trying to to match what the Rays are doing, and it's uh, whatever they got working on over there. You know, I've done a lot of preseason podcasts here lately, and giving my predictions, I have the Rays in the postseason just because you don't bet against those guys. But Stephen, what is what is the goal for the Reds this year? Because you look at them on paper, you know, with healthy and Luis Castillo and Tyler Maley at top of that rotation, you got some very good offensive players as well. I mean, before you traded everyone off, it seemed like a team that could contend in the NL Central, which I think is a very, you know, winnable division. What is, you know, what is the hopes this year for this Reds team? Are there still hopes to compete and contend in that NL Central? You know, we recently did a uh, National League Central uh, roundtable, and you know, I keep putting the Reds third in the division behind the Brewers and the Cardinals. 
And I really think the true answer of what the Reds are doing is they're positioning themselves to be a juggernaut in 2024, 2025 with all of this youth that they're bringing in and getting ready. Uh, I think the real goal of this season is to see uh, some of that youth right now, see if they really do have what they think they have. And if they can stumble into contention while they're doing it, I think that's what they're attempting to do. Uh, Reds general manager Nick Crawl has looked in many cameras and with a straight face said, they are competing for a playoff spot in 2022 and with the expanded postseason stranger things could happen uh it it really boils down to how some of these youngsters perform you're going to get the first look at hunter green on sunday uh, and we can see if he really is major league ready and if he can really blow that fastball by what is a very impressive atlanta lineup so uh, i think that that's the short answer we're looking to see if uh, our youngsters are who we thought they were yeah, and Jeff, I mean, looking at the the lineup, like I said, it, I think this team can score some runs. Who in that lineup are you looking for this year to to have a big season and and get this offense going? I think the easy answer is Jonathan India, but I'm actually going to give you Tyler Stevenson because I think Tyler Stevenson is going to add something to his game that we didn't see last year, and that's consistent home run power. He's got a very great line drive swing, and he's a solid number four hitter already, but he's the kind of guy that you can slot in behind Joey Votto and really drive in everybody who's going to be on base. I think Joey hits third. I think you got India first, and then... I don't know, maybe Tommy Pham second, maybe Tyler Naquin against at least against right-handed pitchers uh, batting second. And that top four of your lineup is going to be pretty solid for Cincinnati day in and day out. The interesting thing and the X factor for me, because his range of outcomes is just so crazy, is going to be Nick Senzel, because if we get good Nick Senzel, if we get the guy, the prospect who was promised, then this team's going to look pretty good. If he once again gets injured and he plays something akin to 25, 35 games like he's been doing the last two years, well, then I think it's going to be a much longer summer than we all want to admit. But yeah, I'm definitely looking for Tyler Stevenson to be, if I were predicting the MVP of this team who's not named Votto, I'd say it's Stevenson. And Steven, on the pitching side of things, we talked about the two at the top of the rotation you know, how, what is the rest of the rotation going to look like? Who are you, you know, we talked about Hunter Green as well, a good young prospect in there. I know you traded for, for Mike Miner as well, um, old Brave fan uh, <laughs> as well. So what is this rotation? How good can it be? Like I said, I mean, coming before all the trades were made, I thought this could be, you know, one of the best rotations in all of baseball. I think maybe it still could be that if those top two guys are who they can be and if Green steps up there. But what are what are your... Uh, thoughts on this rotation going into the season. So the rotation that you're going to get at the start of the season is really not the rotation that we expect to see throughout. Uh, both Luis Castillo and uh, Mike Miner are delayed. Uh, while not being called drastically injured, they are delayed. I think the, the short spring training just really didn't allow them to recover and catch up. So to start the season, you get Tyler Malley to start opening day down there in Atlanta. And he's an exciting pitcher right now because we've long said that he was just a... Uh, uh, 
a good campaign away from being considered more on the elite side of starting pitchers. And uh, this offseason, he's added a fourth pitch. Uh, he had some very drastic home and road splits. And surprisingly, he was much better on the road last season than he was at home. So the fact that the Reds are opening on the road, he's getting the opening day start on the road with this added fourth pitch, I think is very exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to what he can do. Uh, following behind him until some of these guys come back is a lot of question marks, a lot of youth. Reaver San Martin is going to start the second game. We saw him in two courtesy starts against the Pittsburgh Pirates last year. So it's really hard to make an evaluation of what he can actually bring because again, it was the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, coming uh, behind him in game three, we're going to see Vladimir Gutierrez get a start. Uh, you know, he started off like gangbusters for us last season, but ran out of gas. So the real question for him is, can he put together an entire major league season without wearing out? And then game four, uh, as you mentioned, Hunter Green will make his major league debut uh, he can touch 103 104 maybe 105 on the gun uh, the real question mark for him is can he control the breaking stuff can he work in the change up and can he maintain his command and not get rattled uh, he had a bad start his last time out in spring training but I felt his post game uh, interviews after that addressed it really well you know he he's very cognizant of the fact that you can't win them all and you're going to have days like that and it didn't seem to shake him and I think that's the thing we're going to be looking for with him is how uh, his maturity uh, that everybody has identified throughout his stint in the minor leagues, how that translates to the major league level. And then when we finally do need a fifth starter, it looks like it's going to be our guy, Nick Lodolo. He's traveling with the team. They have not placed him on the 40 man roster yet. He has not been activated, but he is with the ball club. And that tells me that he will probably be starting game five, uh, which is the second game in Cincinnati against the Guardians. So this is a very young, very exciting, very high upside rotation that, uh, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that will be a lot of fun if we get to see Green. I know Braves will get to see him on Sunday. It'll be a lot of fun there. But yeah, Lodolo's in there as well. It'll be a very fun rotation to watch. Jeff, if things go, and this is my final question for you, if things go the way a lot of people think they will with the Reds this season, who are you going to be trading to the Braves at the deadline? <laughs> I think it's Luis Castillo. <laughs> um, He's already priced out of the Reds' range. The Reds are not going to be able to re-sign him. I think they have made that abundantly clear over the last few years when it seemed as though it would have been the smart thing to jump on and maybe buy out the remaining years of arbitration and maybe add a year or two past that and buy out a couple of years of free agency. But they've waited too long. He's too good, and he's going to put together a season this year, I firmly believe, of Cy Young argument's sake. So with that... He's going to be the kind of guy that makes $22, $24, 25000000 million a year after his arbitration years are done. So if you want to get the most value for him right now, and if the Reds actually want to operate like a smart front office, they should trade him this season if they are not in contention, because we all know that if they are anywhere over five hundred and anywhere close to a wild card spot by trade deadline time, they ain't selling. That ain't their thing. They don't really like to sell even if they are out of contention, so there's that too. But if it's anybody, it's definitely going to be Luis Castillo. We are going to move into our – we're going to banter basically about this series because there's a lot to go over when you're talking about the changing landscape of the Cincinnati Reds, the not-so-different but probably better version of the Atlanta Braves in 2022. Who is going to win this series? And with it being four games, are we all going to predict a split? I don't think so. And we're going to talk about that here in just a moment, right after I tell you about the best resource for the next part for your car. 
It's rockauto.com. Head on over there today and check out their extensive list. They tell you this for a reason. They have every single part for your car. And they're not just talking about if you bought a car within the last five years. No, not even the last 10 years, 20, 30. Mm -mm. If you got something from the 60s, they got that part. Check it out today. They got brake pads. They got brake lights. They have tailpipes. And they've even got carpet if you want that. And you can reupholster your seats at rockauto.com and they've got amazingly low prices if you go down the street to the store on the corner they're gonna upcharge you maybe even up to 100 percent rock auto ain't like that check them out today and when you're in the checkout section in the how'd you hear about us area type in locked on to let them know that jake steven and jeff told you to go to rockauto.com that's rockauto.com and in the checkout section in the how'd you hear about us area type in locked on rockauto.com has all of the parts that your car will ever need. All right, we set the, p- the picture here, really, when it comes to the two teams that we'll be facing on opening day and for the three days after that. It's kind of weird to not see that customary off day after opening day. But with this four-game series, it's pretty easy in most situations to predict some sort of split I'm here to tell you right now, I think the Reds win on opening day and they lose the next three games. I would love to see a split, but I just don't see that happening because this is a young Reds team. And when you're looking at this team as a whole, the and I talked about this Nick Senzel, the range of outcomes are phenomenal. I could see them winning 70 games. I could see them winning 85 games. There's a lot of things that have to go right for them to win 85 games. And we're talking about a lot of lightning in a bottle there. But Right there around 77 is where I'm predicting them. And the Braves are just a better side right now when you look at pretty much every aspect of this game. Yeah, look, it's easy in a four-gamer to to just predict a split. And if you were asking me right now, that's probably what I would go with. But since I don't want you to fall asleep on me, Jeff, I will say that the Braves win this series. And I think it's because of the depth of the bullpen look early on with the shortened spring training starters aren't going to go very deep in these games ian anderson's hasn't thrown more than three innings in a spring training start he'll be your sunday starter for the braves i'd be surprised if he makes it five innings and you know i don't see a lot maybe any of these starters going more than five innings at least on the brave side of things so I think it's going to come down to you know the bullpen, and that's where I think the Braves' depth there is really going to help them, especially early in this season. My only worries are you know the distractions from the ceremonies, from the celebrations. I don't I don't really buy into that, but you know I can't say that it, it won't. I don't know how that's going to affect each individual player, but you know that could be somewhat of a distraction there with the extra ceremonies and remembering all of that but I think this Braves team is in they're ready to compete now Um, but I just think the the biggest key for me Stephen is that depth of the bullpen when starters likely aren't going to go very deep in this first series you know I'm going to take the easy way out and I'm going to call the split but I I will I will make it a little bit more exciting I'll tell you that the Reds are going to win the first game and they're going to win the last game of the series Uh, Tyler Malley is going to come out and pitch a great game Uh, I do think the element of distraction and getting those rings and and reliving that win is going to uh, take a little bit of the adrenaline out of actually playing the game and I think the Reds will capitalize on that on opening night 
Uh, and then I think Hunter Green's going to come out in the final game of the series and and talk about adrenaline. He's going to just be blowing that ball by people. I think the hitters are going to have a hard time timing him up. I think he's going to get a lot of weak contact, foul tips, things like that, as people just try to catch up to that fastball that's coming up there. So uh, I think the Reds win the first and the fourth game. I think we get a split out of this deal. Uh, I do tend to agree with your evaluation of the bullpen. I think that the Braves will probably get to both Vladimir Gutierrez and Reaver San Martin a little bit as they start to work things out. And uh, we'll get into the Reds bullpen, which means that Jeff Carr will see his favorite guy, Jeff Hoffman, early and often. So uh, that gives you at least two wins right there. I tell you what, I like your prediction a lot more than mine. I, I really do want to see Hunter Green get that first major league win in his first major league start. That would be absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, that was something we didn't really go that deep into when we were talking about the Reds was their bullpen. Their bullpen is Lucas Sims, who's hurt, uh, Luis Sessa, Tony Santion, and then a bunch of question marks. And honestly, Tony Santion isn't a like lock right now to be a good bullpen arm. I just I really have a good feeling about him. Art Warren could be. He just didn't pitch a whole lot last year for us to know what's going on. And then everyone else outside of that. I mean, yeah, Jeff Hoffman, we can squint and say, because I was reading something about this the other day, that he was actually okay out of the bullpen. And I'm like, okay, well, okay for him is just monumental because as a starter, he was garbage. And then you look at some of the other guys that are coming up, like Alexis Diaz, Daniel Duarte. You've got Buck Farmer, who was a non-roster invitee who made the roster, who I'm pretty sure, depending on unless he just sets the world on fire, he only allowed one hit all spring. That doesn't mean a darn thing, but I think that's where why the Reds picked him. Um, depending on how he starts in these couple of games, he might be the guy that gets the axe whenever Lodolo has to officially be put onto the roster. But the bullpen as a whole is just a massive, massive question mark. And kind of like you said, they're going to be needed because starters are not stretched out. Because I don't know if the Braves did this, but the Reds, it felt like for almost every spring game, the most we saw pitchers pitch was maybe four innings. And, and I think Tyler Malley might have been stretched out to five. But even still, we're talking about a lot of guys that just I don't think are quite there where they would be in a typical season. No, for sure. Like I said, I don't, I don't think many Brave starters went very deep in spring training at all. I don't expect any of them to go really more than five innings in this. You know, Max Fried will be going on Friday. He may go the longest of all of them. Charlie Morton will pitch uh, on the Friday game. Sorry, Max on opening air on Thursday. Charlie Morton on Friday. He's coming off, you know, a broken leg that he, he pitched on in the World Series. I can't imagine they're going to push him awesome. too much. And then you have Kyle Wright, who, you know, still a young kid, will be pitching on Saturday, and that's when they'll be handing out the rings, by the way. Um, and then Ian Anderson, who, like I said, he got pulled from his last spring training start because of a blister on what they called his great toe, which is already a huge meme among Braves Twitter. Um, so, I, again, I can't imagine him going more than four or five innings. So I think it will be very bullpen heavy from the Braves side of things, which I think could be a plus for them. Like I said, the other thing I'm really watching for in this series is it's Matt Olson's introduction to Atlanta. Is he going to be pressing? How does he handle the crowd? How does he, you know, feel in that atmosphere in Truist Park? You know, that's going to be a big test for him. Going to be very exciting, I think, for Braves fans. But 
you know he wants to try to impress early on. I think it's very important that he he do so and get off to a good start and kind of put the Freddie Freeman stuff behind us, although the Braves played the Dodgers in April, so that's going to come back up very quickly. But I am looking forward to that, seeing what Matt Olson does in his home opener with the Braves. You know what, Jake? I'm curious, with Freddie Freeman gone, uh, is Matt Olson the person we should expect to step up and be the leader of the Braves? Is there somebody else uh, that you would point to to say, we'll fill that uh, veteran leadership role, that, that, that team leader capacity? Yeah, that's kind of the big big question, you know, for the last four or five four weeks here, ever ever since the move went down, is who steps up in that role? And you know, a lot of people say Dansby Swanson, who's been there the longest, you know, plays shortstop, kind of feels like that guy. But you know, he's in a walk year. Can he really lead a team? Um, I don't know. A lot of people have said Ozzy Albies as well, who's a great clubhouse guy, and he just gets along well with everybody. I don't know if he's that leader type, though. Charlie Morton is definitely that guy for the starting rotation, but it's hard to be a leader, I think, of an entire team when you're pitching every fifth day, possibly every um, you know sixth, sixth day with the Braves possibly going the six-man rotation. But, you know, those are some of the guys I think that we look to. Travis Darno, you know, who's a catcher, so he's already kind of the leader in the field anyway, the kind of field general. So, I think he's another name there, but that, that is an unknown going into the season. You know, who's going to fill that role? I don't think it's Matt Olson, at least not right away. I think he's going to have to earn that respect of his clubhouse, of his teammates, and the fans. He could eventually be that. I hope so because he's here for eight years. But right away, I think it's you're just, you're just going to have to figure it out who's going to, who's going to step up in that spot. Well, I can tell you, while there's a lot of questions for the Reds, uh, we're not sure what we're going to get when they take the field. While Atlanta has some questions of their own to answer as they seek to be a repeat world champion. I know one thing for sure. I am so excited to have baseball back. I am looking forward to all 162 games this season. Uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time, Jake, to do this crossover with Jeff and I. Uh, it's it's great to, to have the ability and the opportunity to, to talk to guys that cover these teams on a daily basis and really uh, share the wealth of information around the entire uh, Locked On podcast network. So do appreciate it and appreciate having you here. I think that's probably a great spot to go ahead and wrap up this opening day edition of uh, the Locked On Braves and Locked On Reds podcast. Uh, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Uh, now go make uh, the Locked On MLB podcast podcast your second listen of the day paul francis sullivan uh please call him sully he is a wealth of baseball information both past and present and you can check him out on every platform that you get our podcast on where it is free and available just like us uh, it's the off season is over it's opening day we have Let's baseball go. to talk about for 162 and we're going to be with you every single day we'll see you next time happy opening day